Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, webinar Cosmetic Excellence, Restorative Care Coordinated with Invisalign with Dr. Rob Leach. You'll earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificates at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you will have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today at AlliantechInstitute.com, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Rob Leach. Dr. Leach reached the level of Invisalign Premier Advantage Provider in 2007. He credits his success to several of his mentors, including Goldstein, Garber, Nixon, Pankey, Dawson, Fox, Keish, Tanaka, Spears, Coyce, and Schuster, along with the American Equilibration Society. In 2008 and 2011, Dr. Leach was selected as a finalist to present at the Invisalign Summit Case Shootout and he has contributed to the best practices protocol and patient case portfolio for Align Tech Institute. A 1981 graduate of the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, Dr. Leach continues his full-time solo practice in Grand Blanc, Michigan. So without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Leach. Dr. Leach, you now have the floor. Thank you, David. Um, it's a pleasure and I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to share my passion to help our patients look and feel their best for a lifetime with multidisciplinary dental health care. I'd also like to send, up, to send out a special acknowledgement to my team at Dentistry ETC who helped me do my best every day, and also to my treat facility technicians whose attention to detail is greatly appreciated. Um, as we said, um, the statements and views and opinions expressed in this program and related course materials are those of the speaker myself. This presentation is composed of patients treated in my office, many of whom were previously told that Invisalign would not work for them. Many were also referred from the Invisalign doctor locator. I specifically selected today's cases to share real-world real dentistry that we general dentists are providing each and every day. Dentistry is a challenging profession, but we can proactively improve our dental health care with teeth that are properly aligned for fit, function, and stability. Obviously, these are my, my cases, and Aligned Technology may not endorse such the statements, views, or opinions as you can see on the screen. Um, welcome from uh, frigid northern Michigan. Um, this morning it was a single digits again for the, a continued week in a row. And one of the things that, that I always pay attention to are many things today that are beneficial were once considered impossible. Seventy years ago, the Mackinac Bridge, the five mile, which now spans the five miles between the upper and lower peninsulas of Michigan, was considered just a vision. But today, after 50 years, of testing the time and the weather and everything else, it still stands the test of time and is still functioning today. Um, last year, I had the opportunity to ride on the icebreaker, the Miscane Bay, um, um, as support for the employer support of the Garden Reserve, which is a program to, to preserve and support our troops. And um, I also had an opportunity to uh, ride on the icebreaker, and I thought I'd share a short video of what it's like to go through two and three feet of ice. This was a real treat, and the day we were out there, um, it was six degrees, and busting through that ice was a, 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 real, um, a real interesting experience. Um, 
Today's topic, dental health care excellence coordinated with Invisalign. Today we're going to be talking about treatment goals, the biomechanics of tooth movement, coordinated restorative treatment, records for success, and lifetime fit, function, stability, and aesthetics. When you know what your goals are, your choices become much easier. One of our goals of every case is to develop proper catenary arch form and symmetry. A catenary arch form is one of the strongest mechanical engineering forms um, and has been used for many, many centuries. And we also can use this example by evaluating the, the um, gateway arch in St. Louis, Missouri. But if you notice on this arch, it's got equal sides, the, the form and symmetry. Now we can alter the width and the, and the broadening of this but if you notice that arch form and symmetry. So each of the cases that we'll be reviewing today, I want you to pay attention to where we started and the finished catenary arch form and symmetry that you'll notice with each and every case. We also want to achieve anterior coupling. And what is anterior coupling? Anterior coupling, my goal is to have our midlines aligned. We want to have the proper overjet and overbite. We want to have cuspid guide lateral guidance. We would like to have incisor anterior guidance. We'd like to have proper axial procline of the upper and lower teeth, so we've got the proper interarch angle. And when we achieve that, then that allows us to have the biologic envelope of function that's going to give us more fit and stability. As you can see on the screen, the, the, the photograph on top was the, the photograph of a patient in centric relation, and we can see here that um, that lacks many of the things necessary for anterior coupling for that biologic envelope of function. And we'll be reviewing this term, and I'll give you, be providing several examples as we progress through our cases here today. But if we notice the finish on the bottom, we note that we've got good cuspid contact. We've got an overjet and an overbite that's consistent with this patient's envelope, biologic envelope of function which then is going to provide us with a much stable, much more stable dentition for life. One of the other um, topics that we're going to be discussing today are the biomechanics of tooth movement. The biomechanics of tooth movement, as we know, involves osteogenesis. And one of the benefits of Invisalign is that it has the gentle constant force to activate the osteogenesis activity and allow the tooth movement and the arch development. We know that the osteocytes, the osteoblasts, and the osteoclasts activate this. And then when we look at the amount of movement per aligner, the 0.25 millimeter per aligner is based upon the periodontal ligament, which in most cases is about 0.5 millimeters. And we would like to have that gentle constant force so that it doesn't elicit an osteonecrosis or too much pressure on that periodontal ligament. And then the two-week cycle or the 14-day cycle that we know from one aligner to the next is intended to elicit that osteogenesis activity and then also allow for proper bone growth and development as the teeth progress and slowly move into their proper position. We know that with the physics and the forces that are involved with biomechanics, that Newton law that states every force is opposed by an equal force is very important when we're designing our ClinCheck and prescribing and reviewing our ClinCheck movements as we will review here today. Also, the anchorage and the reference point. It's very important to prescribe and inform your technician of what you want to use as that anchorage and that reference point or that benchmark. Many people may use the incisal edges or the 
the lip display or the, the incisal edge of the maxillary anterior centrals in relationship to the lower teeth. There are many factors to utilize. Many dentists today also utilize the upper second molars inner arch distance as an anchorage and a reference for that anatomical position. And then when we look at the anatomy of the teeth when it comes to biomechanics of tooth movement, there's many factors that are involved with proper tooth movement. When you're looking at risk assessment, the patient's age, gender, race, the biotype of the bone, the biotype of the gingiva, the amount and type of tooth movements, is it a torque, is it a tip, is it a rotate? Well, each one of those movements is going to require different types of physics and force and also leverage to elicit that proper tooth predictable movement. And then when we look at this coordinated staging and sequencing of the movements, to stage and sequence those movements, we know that um, to get with that light, steady, gentle force, we need to have interproximal spaces because teeth aren't going to bump into another tooth and move. So those are factors that it will show as we go through the ClinChecks today. And I, want, I would encourage you to, uh, to use on your checklist when you're evaluating your ClinChecks when you're evaluating the proper tooth movement. And then one of the most important things I think that I could share with you here today is the 30-minute rule that we share with each and what, every one of our Invisalign patients. And what that means is that never, ever leave your aligners out of your mouth for more than 30 minutes. And we know that the purpose of this is so that we can continue with that light, gentle, constant force. If the, if the patient is to leave their aligners out for more than 30 minutes, I tell them it's not that the teeth stop moving, but they actually start moving back, and they always don't move back in the same pattern or path that they move forward. So never, ever leave your aligners out for more than 30 minutes. And we found that by instituting that recommendation with our patients that we're able to get much more predictable results with the tooth movements and much greater patient comfort. Of course, there's times when that doesn't occur. They lose an aligner, they're out of town, something happens like that. But we found through and through, if they can adhere to that 30-minute rule, that's much more effective for our patients. And you can see on this case that we recently finished, when we were look at the arch form and symmetry, when we're looking at the catenary arch, if we look at the top photograph, we can see that that's a narrow arch. And we can see that we developed a, a catenary arch form of a smooth, symmetrical arch form. And here we can see the contact points that we've got the cuspid guidance and we've got stable posterior contacts in it, um, for long-term fit function and stability. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also very important is that you make sure that you have records for success. Attention to detail definitely improves your net results. So when we're looking at our records, let's make sure that you've got your complete examination when it looks at, obviously, we want to have a healthy mouth before we start the Invisalign process, during, and more importantly, we want to be able to finish afterwards. So that complete examination of your periodontal and your tooth decay and your temporomandibular joint and the patient's overall systemic health is extremely important that to, to ensure that we provide the patient with the proper care. But that complete examination, I would say, just maybe pay a little bit more attention to detail, especially with our Invisalign patients. Excellent photography is critical. The, the benefits of good photography today, not only for legal, technical reasons and documentation, but for also for, for patient inspiration and patient compliance and, and for also for patient referrals. I approach every case as this is going to be a case that I would want to present. So it's, it's, you, can only, you only have one opportunity to take beginning photos, so I would recommend today's digital photography. Make sure that you take excellent before photographs. 
the during photographs, the progress monitor photographs are extremely important to help our patients. And one of the philosophies that we use with those progress monitor photos are things that are monitored improve and things that are rewarded get repeated. So I find that when we take um, photo progress photos of our patients, and I'll demonstrate some of those today in the presentation, but when we take those maybe a third of the way through and maybe half the way through the aligners and then two-thirds of the way through, and especially at the finish, to show the patients the before and after photographs and the dramatic improvements. And I'll show you the photographs that we find are generally more advantageous to share with the patients. Obviously, the upper and lower arches are where they're going to be able to see the, the biggest difference because when their patient's smiling and look in the mirror, what they see cosmetically or visually may not give a true um, degree of improvement that we've got with the arch photography. Centric relation and healthy temporomandibular joints. Obviously, a healthy temporomandibular joint is critical for a foundation to be able to start to align the teeth. If the patient has to go through splint therapy or whatever protocol you feel most comfortable with and believe in, make sure that the patient's temporomandibular joints are healthy. If they've got an inflamed joint or, or a, um, a joint that's dysfunctional, we know that that could affect the, the finished outcome because when the patient's in aligners, the proprioceptors of the teeth many times will relax and that patient will actually relax back into a, a, um, a centric relation position versus maybe an acquired centric occlusion or MIC position, and then that could affect your outcome. So centric relation is extremely important to make sure that you've got a stable centric relation position to be able to start with, to prescribe with your technician. This is where we want to start our tooth movements, and this is where we would like to finish our tooth movements. Prescription goals are very important. Your preferences help, the, help your technician. Remember, your technician is not a dentist. Your technician is a, is a computer expert, and many times they are extremely attention to, attentive to detail, but they're going to base their prescription and their ClinCheck off of what we prescribe. And it will, I'll show several examples here today. If you've got a tooth that's worn or chipped or you've got gingival recession, the technician may not know, are you, am I supposed to line up the gingival margin or am I supposed to line up the incised edges according to what your prescription goals are and also to what your treatment goals are. And then when we do our ClinCheck reviews, I find this one of the most challenging things that I've done in my time um, providing Invisalign care, but that ClinCheck review is extremely important. The technician is going to give you a basic outline of what your prescription is, but I find most of my cases require multiple modifications and communications with my technician. I like to develop the arch form for that catenary arch form and symmetry, but many times when I've got the, the arches aligned, we find that the upper and lower jaws don't match together properly. So then it's up to the dentist, not the technician, to say, well, we're either going to um, create a residual space in this area, we're going to move this tooth here, we might have to flatten the arch out, we might need to elicit um, a different type of movement or a tipping or a procline so that we can finish with our treatment goals. And my treatment goals, as we'll see today, are the anterior coupling. So let's get started with a few cases here today. This was a case that was recently um, seen in my office, and um, this happens to be the son of a dentist. And the dentist had um, um, started Invisalign with, or had sent in records, but said, you know, after I saw some of the things that you were presenting about central collation, 
I'm not sure if we set that case in correctly. So let's take a look at this. The patient does have healthy temporomandibular joint, but if we're to evaluate centric relation position, if we look at the top slide, this is the acquired or the MIC or centric occlusion. This is where the patient, when you ask them to bite together, this is where he bites together. This is a 19-year-old college student. But when I um, manipulated the mandible and got him relaxed and just said, let's relax and just kind of tell me what side touches first as we relax in this position, we can see that in the lower view, this is the centric relation position. Well, if our records were to be sent in using the MIC or the CO, whichever your uh, technical reference may be, this is where the position would be for the technician to align the teeth. But when we look at the centric relation position, we can see that the midlines are properly aligned. So in this view, we, we would be um, prescribing for the technician to modify the midlines. In this view, which is the correct view in the centric relation, we can see that there would be no minimal midline shift, but we're going to have to elicit proper expanding and, and maybe broadening of the arch because we can see the teeth on this side, see the, the actual inclination here, whereas they're a little bit straighter on this side. So this is why we've got the centric interference on this side because these teeth are not properly, properly axially aligned. And we know with the aligners that to actually align or procline or tip these teeth out is a very predictable movement and very successful movement as well too. Now obviously to move these out, would affect the, the centric um, initial contacts over here, but that would be the proper position. And then one of the benefits of our check is then we can um, prescribe for the technician, once we've got the arch properly aligned, we're not gonna erupt or erupt these teeth. We're simply gonna move these teeth out into position, align the teeth, and then one of the features of the check is a vertical jump where we can slightly close the vertical dimension to then create the proper um, fit, function, and stability of the teeth. So one of the benefits of the Invisalign system also, too, is when you send in whether your impressions or your scan, this is where the patient would have been interdigitated properly or articulated for the ClinCheck. But we can see here, this is the proper position of where the ClinCheck should be prescribed. So if we, and I like to take the view at 45 degrees, but I also like to take this anterior view so not only do I send in my bite registration with my prescription and my records, but when I'm reviewing my ClinCheck, I'm going to use this photograph to verify the articulation of my ClinCheck. So I'm gonna look at my starting ClinCheck and say, okay, is this overjet and overbite? Is this um, tooth position correct? Because you can see if I'm using this view, it would be difficult to see this angle. Whereas in the ClinCheck, you can rotate one of the features is to rotate the dentition um, completely around, but this is what I would be looking at is that custom position right here, and obviously we've got that on the other side as well too. So this is an extra view right here that I take when I'm doing my ClinCheck review so I can review that because I don't have my bite registration, I don't have articulated models to verify that, I use that with my photographs. So this view more to 90 degree will really help when you're doing your ClinCheck review, and there are times when maybe something didn't get articulated correctly with either the bite registration or the photos, but many times I can just then inform my technician that I would like them to utilize this photograph to properly articulate the case or reevaluate the bite registration because if this 
is where the bait registration was. You can see the difference of where this case would finish compared to where this case would finish, which would be a significant difference. And then many times a dentist will, will get finished with the aligners and go, wow, the, the teeth don't fit together. Well, you know, inadvertently they may um, think that the Invisalign didn't move the teeth properly, but more importantly, when I'm evaluating those cases for refinement or additional um, proper movements for finish, I find that the case probably wasn't um, started in centric relation, and obviously that's where we'd like to finish. So I'll show several examples of that today during our presentation as well. So when we have our records for success, obviously our goal then is to have lifetime fit, function, stability, and aesthetics. So when we look at lifetime fit, function, stability, and aesthetics, we know that we need the anterior coupling. We need the, the biologic envelope of function. We know that our patients don't chew up and down. We all chew little circles, some bigger circles than others. And according to the condylar eminence and many um, uh, functional things and muscles and clenching habits, but we also have to, we have to know that we've got to have cuspid guidance. You know, the angle of that cuspid or the disclusion angle it varies from patient to patient, but with the Invisalign, we can definitely get into the ballpark. And then as general dentists, then we can utilize either equilibration and or many of the new conservative restorative techniques and materials that we have today to help restore that biologic envelope of function. And for stability, our goal is to have stable posterior occlusal contacts. Many of our patients today have a malocclusion for a particular reason, whether it be genetics or a growth abnormality or a habit, or for whatever reason, their teeth aren't properly aligned and fit and function properly. So it's important that many times we may not be able to get an ideal class one molar relationship in the posterior areas, but my goal there then is rather than provide orthognathic surgery to, to move the upper lower jaw, let's see if we can't either equilibrate or restore to get stable posterior occlusal contacts. And then with aesthetics, our goal is golden proportions. And when we look at golden proportion aesthetics, that's a ratio of, the, of what we see not only on a visual display, but there's many things involved with golden proportion aesthetics. The length and width of the teeth, we know that the upper anterior teeth ideally are gonna be a little bit longer proportionally than they are wider. We know that the central incisors are gonna be a little bit wider than the lateral incisors, but we also know that a lateral incisor ideally will be about two-thirds of the width of a central incisor. Many of the cases that we see today have maxillary incisors that are much smaller. The technician is going to follow our prescription. So as the dentist, we have to make sure that we're prescribing, please leave a residual space, either mesial or distal to the upper lateral incisor specifically, so that that can be restored so that we can then finish with proper golden proportion aesthetics, and we'll show several examples of that today. We also know that the gingival embrasures, or the little Vs in between the teeth, are gonna be a little bit different when we look at the teeth. The gingival embrasure between the centrals is gonna be larger than it is between the lateral, and then um, progressively smaller as we go towards the cuspid in an ideal situation. We also know that the, gingival, the incisal embrasure, as we see here, between the upper centrals is going to be a little bit smaller. We don't want that right straight across and varying teeth according to the individual, but generally the embrasures are going to become a little bit larger as we go away from the midline. Also, as restorative dentists, we know that the tooth shape and form, as we often use when, we, when we're choosing denture teeth, but when we're restoring teeth too, let's remember that if the patient has a feminine shape 
then those teeth are going to be a little bit more rounded. If it's going to be a little bit more masculine, they're going to be a little more flatter or square. We also know that with the central incisors that the mesial edge of the centrals is typically going to be at least as long or longer than the distal, and same thing as we go across to the laterals. So, you know, a youthful smile is not right straight across as this diagram shows, and I'll show you several cases today where we've restored those teeth to achieve those golden proportion aesthetics. So there's many forms and grids, but, you know, a lot of times it just takes your eye to be able to take a look at it, but if we know what our goal is and if we know what we're looking for, then it makes it much easier to finish the case in that form. So let's get started with Erin. Erin came to see us, and she was concerned because her lower front teeth were chipping away. And if we're to look at these photographs, we can see that the anterior coupling of her teeth is not correct. We can see that the, the overbite of her teeth is excessive because when we finish, we know that we should see ideally two-thirds of the lower anterior teeth. And we can see the chipping that was occurring on her lower anterior teeth. And this isn't because, you know, she was biting her fingernails or doing something like that. It was because she had a restricted biologic envelope of function, which I'll show you. Aesthetically, smiles, you know, that's still within the attractive range. But if we look at the chipping on these teeth, let's, let's study this closely. This lady has fairly good oral hygiene, but if we're to look at these teeth, how easy would it be to get the aligner to fit those teeth as they stand right now? What would the technician do if we just said align the teeth? Are they supposed to align the gingival margins or are they supposed to align the incisal edges? Are you going to restore and fill this chip in here and here or are you going to smooth those edges down? We know that if we want the aligner to fit the teeth properly, we don't want jagged edges as we can see in this lateral, in upper lateral incisor here and especially here. So that's very difficult to duplicate that in the scanning and the stereolithography and the, the aligner fabrication. So we want to make sure that we have teeth that are going to be able to be in our favor so that we can get optimal aligner fit. Now with the new smart track aligners, things are definitely improving, but still we have to make sure that we provide um, Invisalign with teeth that are going to be properly um, uh, fit into the aligners and that we're going to be able to duplicate and finish the position. So if we take a look at this, our, this gives us a little better view. If we're doing our evaluation, we can see that there's good inner arch distance of the upper second molars. But if we look at that arch form, that's not too bad in symmetry, but that lingual positioning of the mesial of, of the upper centrals is then what's caused these teeth to push back and then restricted that biologic envelope of function, and that's what caused those teeth to continue to chip. So this is fairly simple to see, especially when we look at our upper arches. So our goal, our treatment goal in this place, in this view, is to, is to move the upper teeth out so that then we can align the lower teeth. So if we take a look at our check and the amount of movements, we can note here that we're developing that nice arch form and symmetry so that when we create the upper teeth in this position, and then we can see this is what our check predicted, and this is what we were actually able to achieve clinically. So let's note that nice arch form and symmetry, and by moving the upper anterior teeth out of the way, then that's going to allow the lower anterior teeth to be able to fit behind those and not continue to chip. So we're going to see this, this term uh, repeated several times today, the catenary arch form and symmetry. So let's evaluate the lower arch. These teeth are pushed back because the upper anterior teeth restricted these teeth from coming forward, and every time when Aaron would chew, it would chip or nick these teeth off. She had had those teeth restored several times with conservative composite, and it kept chipping off, and she said, well, it must just be the composite. 
Well, in my view, it's not the composite, it's the fact that the teeth didn't fit and function properly. So in this case, well, and as I'll show you as we progress with this, but you can see the worn chipped edges, we added some conservative composite restorations on these so the teeth would be a little bit smoother so that it also would help the technician better design the final position of the teeth in the ClinCheck. And let's take a look and see how her ClinCheck movements progress. So we can see by moving the upper arch out and developing this nice catenary arch form and symmetry of the lower arch, we were able to achieve this clinically to get that nice arch form. So this is a very predictable movement with that expansion, procline, and develop that nice catenary arch form. But the key thing is, is to get the upper arch aligned to make it fit together with the lower. As we look at her lateral view, we can see the restricted um, overjet of the upper anterior teeth and the excessive overbite, which then created and elicited that um, premature wearing of the teeth. So if we're to look at the ClinCheck, what was our goal here? To get the finish with a proper inner arch distance, so to move these teeth up and out in procline. You notice very little movement of the posterior teeth, but to develop that arch form in the anterior overjet and the overbite in the anterior region, we could see that we went from this view to this view. So we can see now we've got gingival line, we've got cuspid in, in a better position, but also look what happened to many of our cases, as I'll show you as we progress through here today, that many of these cases that had restricted anterior teeth and worn teeth then also had a lot of breakdown and in, in extensive treatment on their posterior teeth. As we can see, many of these have had crowns and then root canals through the crowns and teeth that are breaking down. And this type of dentistry that we see is not consistent with someone who takes good care of their teeth and, and you know, has pretty good diet and nutrition. But when we start to see these teeth, many times it's not just that this tooth needs a crown or restoration, it's that we've got to properly align the teeth so they fit and function because the teeth that are typically going to take the majority of the load are those first molars. So here you can see we achieved the anterior coupling with our goal. We've got the cuspids, the incisors, the overjet, the overbite, and that varies from person to person. But typically in my prescription, I'm going to prescribe, let's, let's, our goal would be to get a two millimeter overjet, and that varies depending according to your movements. With my technician, that's what I prescribe. And I like to start with about a millimeter and a half of overbite. That actual labial procline is critical so that the teeth, the anterior teeth have a slight either straight or slight axial labial procline. So then we get the inner arch angle for the proper biologic envelope of function. Let's take a look at our anterior view on this ClinCheck. So our goal here was to get a, a, the midline line, Custis class one, and to line the teeth up. And you can see that's what the, the ClinCheck predicted. And you can see this was pretty close to what we we're actually able to achieve clinically as well too. Now, if we take a look for Aaron, this is where we started. And remember, we had added composite to a couple of the teeth, and this was our finished Invisalign. So this is where I prescribe my technician to align the teeth. We noticed that I used the gingival margins as a reference on the upper anterior teeth, not the incisal edges. You can see here where we had added composite to these worn edges so that we could better um, get the aligners to fit, but also I prescribed the technician, please use the gingival margins as a reference to align the teeth. And then you can see once the teeth are finished with aligners here, then we can come back and use conservative composite restorations to then restore these incisal edges, to add to the incisal edge here so that we've got better, more symmetrical um, golden proportion aesthetics, but we've got a nice gingival display, we've got a nice 
on gender display upper lower, but more importantly, this is going to fit and function properly. So this is a case as a restorative dentist where you want to make sure that you restore those teeth prior to taking records. Now, obviously, you want to take this photo, but then we restore those teeth prior to the incisal here, the edges here. Many times, if you've got a worn cuspid, you know, simply use conservative composite to restore those teeth. Then, when you're finished. Um, with, with the aligning, then we can finish the case with conservative restorative treatment or whatever treatment modalities you prefer. But the key thing is, is to provide the patient with lifetime fit, function, and stability. And today we know that um, with the advancements in adhesive dentistry and composite dentistry, that that's pretty much the standard of care versus the veneers and crowns because it would be a shame to take this lady's dentition and to trim that healthy enamel off those teeth um, with veneers or crowns. And you can see here that we were able to help Erin develop that lifetime smile. And remember, she came to see me because she had worn edges on the lower end of her teeth, not because she wanted to align and straighten the teeth. But I, I informed her that if we want those teeth to hold up, it's going to be important to do it with proper fit and function. So let's take a look at Diane. Diane came to see me, and she stated that her teeth look old. And if we're to evaluate her case, we can see that she's got premature wear on the teeth and if we're now this is going to be an aesthetic and restorative challenge because there's recession on tooth number eight and significant wear on tooth number nine as a matter of fact to the to the degree that tooth number nine is actually wider than it is taller. So if we look at her catenary arch form and symmetry, which is our initial goal in our in our um, check prescription, we can see that there's a constricted upper arch and a constricted lower arch. In order to properly align these teeth, you can either cut the teeth down and take teeth out or we see that we can easily expand and broaden that upper arch, which is a very predictable movement to do with Invisalign. And by doing that, then that should give us a sufficient room to move these teeth out. And many times as we review these cases, you can see extensive restorative treatment. And this was not my dentistry. This is um, restorative um, dentistry that, you know, she had a crown, she chipped the porcelain, she had to have the endo. And that's very typical of people that have teeth that don't properly fit and function. So Diane was informed by uh, a few other dentists that Invisalign wouldn't work for her, but she came to see me on the Invisalign doctor locator and said, hey, let, um, what's your opinion? So I said, yeah, sure, we, this is a very predictable movement to do and to help her finish with her case, and let's take a look at the ClinCheck. So we can see here our goal is to develop an arch form and symmetry. We can see that she has some tooth wear on her teeth. We did restore some of that, as I'll show you, and we can see this is where she started, that's what the ClinCheck predicted, and this is what we're actually clinically able to achieve. So nice catenary arch form and symmetry. If we take a look at the lower arch, this was our prescribed ClinCheck, which my technician meticulously paid attention to detail, which I greatly appreciate and helped with communication, so that we can develop that arch form and symmetry. And this is what we were actually able to achieve. Now, many times as we'll go through, my recommendation would have been to remove those wisdom teeth back there, but that was something that Diane um, didn't feel comfortable doing beforehand. So I said, fine, that's not going to interfere with what we're um, achieving with our catenary arch form. If we take a look at our lateral view, we see the axial lingual incline of these upper anterior teeth, which then restricted that biologic envelope of function. So our goal in the ClinCheck was to actually align these teeth so we've got proper anterior coupling. And we can see this is what we started with, and we can see improving the angulation. We've improved the cuspid. She had a crossbite with tooth number seven. And Invisalign is the treatment of choice for a crossbite correction, 
far superior to what conventional orthodontics can achieve today. So you can see we've got the cuspid, the, the overjet, the overbite, the axial labial procline, the positive interarch angle, and then that's going to label us to have a biologic envelope of function. And if we look at the anterior view, <coughs> excuse me, we can see for Diane that we're keeping the midline aligned, cuspids class one, overjet, overbite. But because of this tooth wear, was the technician supposed to align the incisal edges or to align the gingival margins? In this case, I asked, I prescribed for the technician to use the incisal, um, uh, not use the incisal edges, but to use the gingival margins. And one of the features of a ClinCheck is we can rotate that ClinCheck when in doubt if there's recession, and you can use the lingual surfaces of the upper and lower anterior teeth by evaluating the cingulums and also evaluating if there's any recession on the lingual areas, which many times is not. So that's also part of your thorough examination to evaluate teeth that have gingival recession, and because the ClinCheck, remember, does not show the, an accurate view of the gingiva, nor does it show the CEJ. Ideally, we would like to line up the cemento enamel junction on the teeth, but many times that's not possible to do. So utilizing the uh, lingual surfaces is, is fantastic. And the ClinCheck will show you what your starting gingival looks like, but it doesn't show that, as a, for example, when we procline this tooth, we know that that's going to alter that gingival architecture. So that would not be an accurate description or positioning in the ClinCheck. But we can see this is what we asked for, and then we can see the nice finish that we were able to achieve. We've got the midline aligned. We've got cuspids class one, actual labial procline for a proper biologic envelope of function. And this is the real key as we look at this position. This is where we started, and this is where we finished our Invisalign. Now, many times somebody might look at this and they go, wow, that's finished Invisalign? Well, of course, but the technician would have many times, if it's not prescribed, they're going to line up the incisal edges and bring those teeth down. This is what I prescribed because I knew that then following this, that we were able then to restore those edges very conservatively, no anesthetic, no tooth preparation, so that we can get ideal fit and function and alignment of those teeth. So aesthetically, now we've got a central incisor that's longer than it is wider. We've got gingival embrasures. We've got incisal embrasures, and we've got ideal fit and function. Now, this is a case where we have to evaluate perfection versus excellence. This recession, is, would that warrant a gingival um, grafting procedure to bring that gum tissue down or to maybe trim the gum tissue up here? So here we kind of split the difference, but that's not for the technician to decide. That's for the general dentist or the prescribing dentist to decide we're going to split the difference so that we can then restore the teeth properly. And the majority of my cases do require restorative treatment following Invisalign. You can see these incisal edges, which are not healthy, and then we can look at the teeth. So if we, this is one of the, um, uh, the monitors or the progress photos or the finished photos that I use to help keep my patients motivated. So this is a simple card, 8 by 11, and we fold this in half, and on one half of it, it has my office logo, and congratulations on your new, new smile. And I would recommend that maybe you do something like this. It's on the back. So that when we flip to this view, this is what I give my patient. When they open this up, you can say this is where they started and this is where they finished. And then I always like to sign those persons, sign each and every one of them. But I find this is probably one of the best marketing tools that I've ever used because most of these people are going to go back to work and they're going to show their coworkers or their family. And this is what we're going to show in the photos. So it's also nice to have a little bit about your office on the back of that photo. But this is the view that the patients prefer. 
They don't like to see the retracted. They don't like to see the arches, which we have in the office. They like to see what do my teeth look like when I smile, because that's what they're going to see when they look in the mirror. So to create a much younger-looking smile for Diane, that was our goal. But um, that was her goal. But my goal was lifetime fit, function, stability, and then with the aesthetics. But mission accomplished here. And let's take a look at Cynthia. Cynthia came in to see us, and she said, it's my turn. And what she meant by that is, is she had spent, um, spent her whole life taking care of her family and getting everyone through college, but she said, you know, I want to fix my teeth. I've never liked it. But we look at here. Let's look at the golden proportion aesthetics. Look at the restore the challenge that we have, similar to the case before where we've got recession, we've got different lengths and sizes of the anterior centrals, and we know we'd like to finish with those ideally the same. So does the technician bring this tooth down and we trim it down, or do we move this tooth up and restore the edge? That's one of the benefits of the CRIMCHAC process is we can evaluate a variety of treatment choices or tooth movements to get to achieve our goal. We can also look for Cynthia here in her arch form. We can see that the lower arch is not that crowded or restricted a little bit, but we've got more restriction in the upper arch. So if our goal is to finish with those arches matching together, we know that there's going to be more expansion and broadening in the upper arch than there's going to be in the lower arch. So that it will either require that we need to make the teeth on top a little smaller and make these on the bottom a little bigger. My goal as a or choice as a restorative dentist is to try to avoid removing healthy enamel whenever possible. And we know that it's very easy to um, create a residual space just for the lower cuspids to get anterior coupling and then either to restore or just to maintain. So that's our goal with Cynthia. And if we take a look at her crim check, we can see that nice arch form and development. I think we've got the idea after seeing the first couple of cases, so we'll um, move right along to see that nice arch form and symmetry of where she started and where we finished. And if we take a look at the lower arch, now here we knew that um, to create anterior coupling, we want to create a residual space just to the lower cuspid, which is the easier way, if at all possible, slightly. And you can see that there's a slight residual space here, but notice that nice arch form and symmetry. And if we look at our lateral view, quite, you know, that actual labial incline of these teeth, we want to move those teeth up and out, and then we want to get proper anterior coupling in this area, so that's our goal. And you can see that we were able to achieve that. Notice the actual inclination, notice the actual inclination here. We look at our anterior view. Now, this was a challenge because how are we going to finish with those centrals um, appearing aesthetically to be symmetrical and balanced? So, that this was the responsibility of the dentist, not of the technician. And we can see that we finished this case. There's still recession here, but by positioning this tooth, we may have to do a little bit of cosmetic contouring here and a little restoring on the incisal edge here. But our goal was optimally align the teeth, utilizing, as a reference, the gingiva, the incisal edges, and the embrasures. And we knew that we were going to restore following this case. So to take this case to this position, and this was our Invisalign finish, and we can see this is the difference between perfection and excellence, and dentistry is unfortunately not a game of perfect, so sometimes it's let's achieve the best we can. And then if we take a look at this is where we finished with Invisalign, and then we can see what we restored. So notice the lateral incisors, which were a little smaller. We restored those in a little cosmetic contour in the lower anterior area. Now, unfortunately, this case, um, uh, Cynthia had extensive abfraction on the labial of this cuspid, 
And unfortunately, there's um, during the movement, there was some recession in this area. And when questioned about it, she said, yeah, there was a time when I wasn't real compliant with the 30-minute rule. And many times we see that occurs during that phase when that tooth is moved. But we know now we can easily come back and do a gingival graft in that area to do a keratinized tissue because we can see minimal keratinized tissue when we evaluated her gingival biotype. So today's procedures of a keratinized tissue graft and then a slap uh, to bring that down, that's a fairly easy and predictable procedure. So if we take a look at the preferred view of our patients, remember they don't like to see the anterior retracted. This is the view that the patient's gonna see the majority of the time. And if we're looking at aesthetics, we've got central incisors, which are fairly symmetrical. We've got lateral incisors that are golden proportion approximately to the centrals, and we've got cuspids. And you can see that the incline of these teeth we know that by tipping those teeth up and out, that's a fairly predictable um, movement with, uh, with Invisalign. But to create that more beautiful smile, you can see this is something of a person that, you know, was embarrassed to smile her entire life, and, and now she's got a smile that complements her beauty, and she can smile confidently wherever she goes. Uh, one of my um, uh, little topics that I like to do, if we take a look at enjoy the little things, for one day you may look back and realize they were the big things. This happens to be my grandson, Jack, and my yellow lab, Jack. But, you know, when you look back at the little things that you've done for patients, and we see patients day in and day out, but to be able to create a smile that someone can go out and now feel comfortable, and we just see that, that it, what an improvement that helps and to help make a positive difference for these people today. So, you know, we take a lot of this for granted as dentists, but, you know, those patients that we help create those smiles, they're going to live with those forever. And, and that's a real, um, I think that's really important that, that as dentists we all pay attention to how important all those little things are. And let's take a look at Jacob. <laughs> Jacob um, came to see me because his front teeth kept, kept chipping. He wasn't interested in getting his teeth straightened up. But if we look at his the fit and function of his anterior teeth, we can see that he's got excessive overbite, we can see that you can't see any of the lower anterior teeth, and with a restricted biologic envelope of function, and that's what caused that tooth to keep chipping. So pretty straightforward. Here again, do we just take the impressions and send this in and, and let the technician guess where to position those teeth, or do we help the technician and maybe add a little composite on the tooth like this, and add a little composite on that lower tooth that's chipped or worn, and my preference is if the tooth is chipped and worn, you don't want to smooth it off because that just makes it shorter. So we want to restore that tooth, especially with today's composites. We find that we can um, expect to have um, long-term uh, excellent results with if those procedures are done properly. So prior to record, we want to make sure that we're, we're adding the composites to restore the teeth as much as we can with their chipped or worn. And so then that helps your technician better visualize where to position that tooth along with your prescription. If we're to evaluate Jacob's um, arch form and symmetry, we can see that this part of the teeth, the anterior, is, is moved back in. We've seen and shown several examples where we can properly develop that, which will then create enough room to properly position those lower anterior teeth. So let's take a look at Jacob's ClinCheck, and we can see that nice arch form and symmetry. And we can see this is what we're able to achieve clinically. So excellent improvement in that arch form and symmetry. And if we take a look at the lower arch, we can see that those teeth were quite crowded. So the slow, steady, continuous, gentle forces to elicit, to elicit the, the ideal movements and elicit, elicit the osteogenesis to not only allow the tooth movement, but to help develop that arch form and symmetry, we were able to achieve. 
And if we look at the anterior view, and Invisalign is a preferred choice for deep anterior bites because if you were to place brackets or wires in this, it would, it would be very difficult to do that. You'd have to get these other teeth, upper teeth out of the way because if you were to put brackets on the lower teeth right now, they would restrict or, or affect the way that he was able to chew during that. So the Invisalign, we can see that, that doesn't interfere with the fit or function during the alignment, and you can see the improvement that we've got with his anterior teeth. Not only the tooth wear, the gingival margins, the incisal margins, but we're looking at all those um, uh, components that that entail the, the proper golden proportion aesthetics. And then obviously when we want to restore the teeth following the liners, but this was a real key thing. When you change the way you see things, the things you see change. So when we see a restricted deep bite like that, we know that Invisalign is the best tool to improve that. And we know that if they've got chipped or worn edges, inform your technician, properly, optimally align the tooth, and then we can come back and restore the edges of those teeth following. And, you know, many people question how durable is that composite? Well, Jacob is a high school and also now a collegiate wrestler, and um, he's had these on his teeth for several years and um, no uh, negative effects or, or problems with them. Let's take a look at Joe. Many times we see patients that come in like this with a diastema, and they don't like the diastema. Now, to restore this, when we just, you know, close that space with either composite or veneers or crowns, well, if we were to look at the length and width of this, the, the reason that he has a diastema is not because his centrals are too small, it's because his lateral incisor, especially on this side, is too small. And when we look at Joe's face, we can see that this central is fairly well positioned, but this central is moved over to the left because of that peg lateral, which has then caused the diastema. So if we're looking at his arch form and symmetry, that's not bad arch form and symmetry. Oh, a little bit of crowding here and out of position. But we can see this when we're looking at, at predictability in this case, we know that this is going to be fairly easy to restore. We know we can bring here, and we have to prescribe to the technician where do we position that, that peg lateral. When I have a, a peg lateral such as this, if there's going to be a spacing, I would like to have two-thirds of the space on the distal of the of the tooth and one-third of the space on the mesial of the tooth. So this is what our, our ClemCheck um, movement prescribed, and we can see how we brought those teeth together. Now, you've got to do this a little slower because you don't want to tip those teeth because we've got some root torquing involved with this. But if we bring this back, one-third of the space on the mesial of the lateral and two-thirds on the distal, that will enable me to provide a better restorative treatment. And you can see this is where we position the tooth, this is where it was, and this is with conservative composite on the mesial and the distal. And if we look at the lower arch, this is fairly predictable movements. We've got some tooth rotation, so we've got a you know position with the optimized attachments that help improve that. And then we brought this back in and, and brought back. And you can see that nice arch form and symmetry that we were able to achieve for Joe. The anterior view, now please pay attention to this clinch check, because this isn't just you know, laterally moving these teeth. This is also moving these teeth lingually and moving up a little bit into position that lateral where it should be. And then you can see this was our finished Invisalign position. And then you can see this is where we finished the anterior with the lateral incisor noise informed and prescribed the technician. Please use the gingival margins to align this since we're going to be restoring that tooth. We didn't want to bring that tooth down or move it in or collapse that arch because we knew that we could easily restore that tooth following the aligners, and you can see very little restorative treatment anywhere else. 
just to build that lateral up. So now we've got better golden proportion aesthetics as far as length, width of the teeth, and sizal and gingival embrasures as well. But the key thing is, is now to take a guy like this and now Joe can smile with confidence and not feel like he's got that big gap that everybody focused their attention on. And let's take a look at Davida. Davida came to see me because she needed dental implants because she had some congenitally missing teeth, not because she wanted her teeth aligned. When I informed her that this crossbite that she has on the right side would not, if she was going to invest in implants, it would be a good idea to invest to get the teeth so that they fit and function properly because we know that this crossbite does not, uh, is not um, conducive with proper fit, function, and stability of the teeth, and many times we see that creates problems down the road. So our goal for Davida was to get the teeth optimally aligned, improve the anterior coupling, correct the crossbite so that the teeth would then fit and function. Then when she invested in her implants, we're going to get implants that are going to be much easier to, to place, much easier and much easier to restore, and more importantly, much easier to maintain for a lifetime. So let's take a look at this. If, remember, if you know what your goals are, the choices are much easier. <laughs> Excuse me. This tooth, this body that was crossed out here, she was congenitally missing the bicuspid tooth number four, and number 13 was in this position. So with this arch form that we just you know, remove number 13, which would be, you know, might be the quick, easy way to do it. But then what are you going to do about these spaces down below and with mismatched arches? So our pre-prosthetic alignment goals were to correct the cross bites on this side because missing this bicuspid number four caused this whole side to be pushed in. We know that we can expand and broaden and bring this tooth out, and there was a hygiene issue here, of course. But our goal is to develop the cat in the arch form and then open the spaces so that they're going to be symmetrical. Um, my preference, if at all possible, is to remove wisdom teeth prior to records because then we can get the, the um, aligners to fit on the distal of the upper second molars for better retention. And in this case, we did remove the wisdom teeth so that we could get a good result. So let's take a look at David's clen check so we know that um, we can position this, move this tooth to open the pontic here, correct the crossbite, and move this bicuspid out. Now, in a... Um, in an adult, many people may say, wow, that's pretty aggressive movement, but if we look and see what we're able to achieve clinically, we can see that's fairly consistent with what the ClinCheck predicted we would be able to achieve. So we've got an improved catenary arch form. We corrected the crossbite. We opened the space for tooth number four so that we've got properly matched arches that are going to fit and function properly. And on the lower arch, we didn't have to do too much movement, but we wanted to align these teeth. And so if we look at that lower clen check, these are virtual pontics that we had the technician place in. Ideally, we like to get ideal um, symmetrical spaces left and right. And we can see that this is what we were able to achieve. And then this is what um, the tissue looks like because we've got um, the implants replaced. And I just removed her treatment provisionals that we use in this area to develop that proper gingival emergence profile architecture so that we can then um, duplicate this impression or scan so that the technician can build a, um, the, the long-term crowns that, um, that not only fit and function, but they look like they're our own natural teeth. So this is where we started um, for David. And then you can see we opened the spaces. And many times during the Invisalign, once we've got the space, we can go ahead and, and place um, the implants and then start to develop our treatment provisionals. And these were the treatment provisionals that she has that we had in her mouth. And, and preparation for uh, custom implant abutments and crowns. And in our anterior view, notice the crossbite here. So our goal is to correct this crossbite 
So we've got optimal anterior fit function and stability. Midline's aligned, and you can see that was it. we were able to achieve that. But notice we use the gingival margins to help align this. There's a little bit of recession here, so we had to compromise. But this little gap right here, we know that that can easily be restored because we want our, our, our teeth to have optimal golden proportion aesthetics, but there's a compromise that this central is a little longer than this one and this lateral is a little shorter than that one. But when we look at what we're able to achieve with our finish, similar to what the ClinCheck predicted, and then just simply come back and add a little composite here, we can see now when she breaks together that we've got an optimal fit and function for that proper biologic envelope of function. Notice the cuspid position here, an improvement of that crossbite. So we, this is going to be conducive to long-term fit function and stability. And on the on the left side, it wasn't that big of a deal. But this correcting that crossbite, I would strongly encourage you to correct things like this before you get patients into comprehensive restorative treatment. Because we know that when we do that, the teeth are not only going to fit better, but they're going to last a lot longer. So pre-prosthetic alignment for implant success is a major, um, a major um, part of our practice today. So let's take a look at Dr. Susie. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dr. Susie came to see me because she said the tooth-colored filling on my front teeth keeps falling off, and they told me, and now I need a veneer. She kept chipping the incisal edge of tooth number eight. And I said, Susie, the reason that keeps chipping is because your teeth aren't aligned. Oh, and her comment to me was, oh, no, I'm not getting braces. I don't want to do that. You know, I'm a physician, and I, there's no way I'm going to do braces. You know, my upper teeth look good. And I said, yeah, but your lower teeth are crooked. She goes, well, I don't, I don't show my lower teeth. And I said, well, your upper teeth show when you smile, which, yes, it looks good, but your lower teeth show when you talk. And the reason that that tooth keeps chipping is because they don't fit together properly. And she said, well, they told me I need a veneer or a crown, which then many times is going to be veneers on both teeth. It's not the composite that was failing here. It was the way that her teeth fit and function. And the reason that, let's take a look at that catenary arch form and symmetry, and we can see that these centrals back, some of the previous cases we reviewed, these teeth being pushed back then push these lower anterior teeth back, which then restricted that biologic envelope of function, which then was creating the chipping on the anterior teeth. So let me show you how we restored this for Dr. Susie. We prescribed the technician. Let's develop that nice catenary arch form and symmetry. Let's get these teeth up and out of the way. And so we can see that um, we were able to achieve that clinically with um, predictable success each and every time. And then we can see on the lower arch, we, there was a little bit more movement that we needed to elicit on the lower arch to get those teeth properly aligned. So as we properly align these teeth, which is very predictable to do in our clen check, expand, procline, round trip, bring those teeth out, and we can develop that nice catenary arch form and symmetry which we can see on our anterior view. Notice the positioning and lining here. Rather than do IPR on these teeth, we can move the upper teeth out of position and create a little bit of a residual space distal to the upper lateral so that that would give us enough room on the lower anterior teeth. And then we can come back and restore that incisal edge for Dr. Susie to improve this. So these teeth, not only do they look a lot better, but they're going to fit and function a lot better for a lifetime. And you notice with a, with a feminine female, this central had been worn a little bit, and we knew that she kept chipping this, so we added a little composite on the mesial of nine. We can see that her lateral incisor initially was much less than, it was not even half the size of the central. So for proper golden proportion aesthetics, rather than have two centrals that look very prominent, we can then restore the lateral incisor 
to balance the ratio of the length with the of an adjacent teeth so that she's got a better smile. And then if we take a look at where we started, we can see that um, uh, we restored the incisal edge of this tooth prior to taking records, and we also added a little composite here, and this was during aligners, so that helped the technician then better visualize, because the technician would have said, are we going to trim this part off? So if I was going to align these centrals, do I align the chipped part with this, or is it going to add to that? Well, even though you may put it in your prescription, I found that if I restore that prior to records, it just makes it easier for the technician to finish. So then when we actually align the teeth, you can see this was during aligners, and then this was at the end of aligners. And if we look at the axial alignment of our centrals, we can see that the mesial of these teeth is not longer than the distal, and that's not a very aesthetic smile, but we know that following restoring those teeth and a little bit of cosmetic contour, we can see that now we've got the incisal edges and the incisal embrasures, which are going to be much more attractive. So for Dr. Susie to give her that lifetime fit, function, and stability and aesthetics, now we've restored that teeth and she no longer has to worry about that incisal edge continuing to chip off. And let's take a look at Michael. Michael uh, was referred from the doctor locator and he had just finished three and a half years of braces and he said, I don't like the way my teeth look. And um, when we did our evaluation, we can see um, his teeth and smile does not fit what we consider a golden proportion aesthetics. Uh, the width and length of the teeth, these are almost wider than they are taller. The mesial of the lateral incisor is shorter than the distal, which is not good. Um, but, you know, that wouldn't be too big of a deal to restore. But if we were to restore the edges of these teeth and make them a little longer, then that would affect the overbite of the teeth, and it could also affect the function. But when we were to, to do a more, about a thir more thorough evaluation, we can see the incisal wear on, on tooth number eight and we can see that there's wear on seven and also on 10. But the key thing that we looked at for Michael is he had gone through class two elastics in three and a half years, but he still finished with a pretty significant overjet. And notice when we when he bite together the extreme overjet and the lack of anterior coupling that Michael had. So he had gone through this, and when we're to look at, at, at Newton law of physics, when we're putting class two elastics in an area like this, let's stop and think about the biomechanics of tooth movement. Is this elastic, let's take a look at, at of that equal and opposite force. Is this going to pull the entire maxilla back? Is this going to pull the, the mandibular teeth forward? Or what's the weak link in this area? Maybe that weak link is the temporomandibular joint. So I would caution you when it comes to the use of interarch elastics because many times the weak link is that temporomandibular joint. So it, uh, it, with most of the biomechanics that we use today, we don't see this being an effective uh, or predictable treatment because many times it just creates temporomandibular joint problems. So this is how we handled this case for Michael. This was his overjet, and many times I'll take this view as well too as that 90-degree lateral view so that I can show the overjet to show the technician and also so that I can verify the articulation during the ClinCheck uh, review in my office. So if we look, he had nice catenary arch form. The orthodontist was able to develop that, but they didn't get the upper and lower jaws to, to fit together properly. So this was the movements that we wanted to elicit. If we were going to correct the overjet, we know that we can slightly expand and broaden the arch in this area and flatten the anterior just a little bit. And by doing that, then we could expand and procline the lower anterior teeth. So we're bringing those forward. And we know that he's got proper craniofacial growth down and forward, 
So this was the movement that we started, and then this was our ClinCheck, and we can see here. Now, this view doesn't really show because it's like, but let's take a look at the lateral view now of the anterior coupling. That's our goal. So that remember where we started anterior coupling, and this is our goal to finish with this. This, is, this definitely involves more advanced biomechanical movements, but you can see the improvement of the overjet, the cuspus class one, so that now we've got uh, a good biologic envelope of function. So with our anterior view, we restored the incisal edges of the lateral in here because the technician didn't know where am I going to position those teeth at, does he actually fit this tooth back? So this was our finished position. The improved overjet midline to line, cuspids class one, much better um, position for long-term fit function and stability. Arch form, you don't notice that much difference. Arch form, not that much difference. But this is where you're really going to notice the difference of where we started with the teeth fitting, and then you can see here where the incisal edges apart. So taking those teeth with a little bit of tooth wear and optimally aligning them. This is this case is more about 99% fit function stability. Um, improving the, the shape of the teeth is easy to do, but the key for this patient was to improve for that anterior overjet. So this was the overjet that he started with after three and a half years of orthodontics and class two elastics, and this is what we're able to achieve using advanced biomechanical techniques to expand and broaden. We wanted to develop the catenary arch form, but with Invisalign, we could broaden out the bicuspids and the cuspids, flatten the anterior region, expand and procline the lower anterior region to finish with a proper um, fit and function and overjet overbite in the anterior region. So, and, and uh, you know, now Michael attends college and he says, that's what I'm talking about. That's the smile that he wanted. He wasn't really interested in improving the, the fit and function, but he, he wasn't aware of the fact that they didn't fit properly. And let's take a look at Marty as we're wrapping up here with our last case this morning. Uh, Marty was 40 years old, 40 years age when he came to see us, and Marty said, I need a life change and I want better looking teeth. So let's take a look and study this case. What do you guys see out there? If we're looking at this, how are we going to improve this? Okay, the centrals are obviously significantly longer than the laterals. And if we're looking at golden proportion aesthetics, how are we going to finish that? There's premature tooth wear. We know that this lateral incisor has had significant wear. We know that we may have to finish with a compromise regarding the length and width of this central and the length and width here. But our goal is to close that diastema. We can see tooth wear here. Midline's not too bad. But if we move this central over, then where are we going to create? We can't bring this all in, and are we going to collapse that lower arch? So when you're doing your evaluation, as we stated earlier, when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. And so let's hopefully I can elicit some change in the way that you see things here today. So when we look at this arch, the diastema was one thing, but if I'm, if we can see premature. A close aware on many of his teeth. We can see here again, uh, this was not one of my patients. He was referred to me from the doctor locator. But here again, you know, you're looking at a crown and then that nice little endo opening and then they filled that in. And many times we see people that have malocclusions and restricted envelope of function. We see many times they have extensive restorative treatment that's not really consistent with the rest of their dental health care. So I usually find teeth that get overloaded are the teeth that then have more comprehensive restorative treatments. Not like he's got a mouthful of decay and fillings. But one of the things that we do note is that tooth number 11 and tooth number uh, tooth number 12 and tooth number 11 are transposed. In other words, the cuspid should be here and that bicuspid should be here. Now, 
can those teeth be rotated? You could maybe do that, but at 40 years of age, why don't we just move this tooth into a bicuspid or a cuspid position and then maybe do some restorative treatment and cosmetic contouring to allow those teeth to function because we want to, we want to finish without that lingual cusp on that tooth. So if we're looking at tooth size discrepancy, he's also got cross bites with these teeth. Posterior cross bites with Invisalign are extremely predictable uh, and easy to restore. But the key thing is he's got premature wear. So when we're looking at this arch, our clin check, so we want to develop this arch form, get this cross bite correction, and position the teeth so that we're going to be able to restore them properly. So we can see aligning these teeth. We can see that premature wear that he had on this tooth on the cuspid. But we've got a pretty nice arch form and symmetry. And if we look at the lower arch, there's not too much to do there because that's not too bad. Yeah, a little minor tweaking down here. So the movements on the lower arch um, from alignment in, uh, is, were fairly minimal, but our goal here was to align the upper and lower arches, which then we evaluated in the clin check so that we could get those teeth to fit and function properly. So this is where we started with our upper arch, and you can see this is where we finished our upper arch, and this is where we started with the lower arch, and you can see that nice alignment. But this is, what, this is where the rubber meets the road. So let's take a look and see how we align these teeth. Now this was back before we had optimized attachments, so I wanted to get maximum retention. Today the optimized attachments would eliminate the need for these um, uh, large rectangular attachments, and we would place two attachments which we would be able to achieve the same movement without something that's you know, aesthetically a little bit of a challenge for the patient. But our goal here was to compromise the gingival margins and align the, and, and then be able to restore the incisal edges. So this is where we finished our Invisalign for Marty. And you can see there's a compromise. The centrals are still the same length and width. Um, we can see that we moved this lateral up by using the gingival margins. And you can see this is where we finished. And then you can see this is where we restored uh, Marty's teeth. So to take him from here to here, and remember, you know, dentistry is not a game of perfect. You can see this was a picture that was taken immediately afterwards, that our, but our goal was to improve the fit and function and the aesthetics for Marty. These teeth are a little dry so that, you know, once they hydrate and he uses a little whitening, those will blend right in, but it's a lot easier and more affordable for someone to afford this type of dentistry than it would be to come back here and do, you know, maybe eight to ten veneers or crowns on the top and the bottom teeth. So this is a smile for Marty that's going to provide him with a lifetime of fit, that we've got optimal anterior coupling, midlines, overjet, cuspids. Um, we've got um, the biologic envelope of function. This is going to chew and function much better than this when these cross bites because we could see where his teeth fit before. This cuspid didn't touch that cuspid. Now we've got cuspids in contact and cuspids on this side. We've got stability because we've got stable posterior occlusal stops, which we knew we had to restore his posterior teeth because he had premature wear. In aesthetics, this is a much more pleasing smile because, number one, he doesn't have the diastema, but also because we improved the shape and size of the lateral incisors, so it made the central incisors not appear as big as they were. So this was the game change that it made for Marty. And, you know, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And, uh, I, again, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to share my passion for excellence in dental health care. And I um, 
appreciate the technology that Invisalign continues to make innovative technological advancements so that we can optimally align our teeth so that then we as restorative dentists can then coordinate our restorative skills, provide our patients with teeth that fit and function and are stable and, and aesthetically pleasing for a lifetime. 